morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you're listening to this, welcome. My name is Andreas. I'm with Grace Healing Ministries, and I have with me today again, Larry Reynolds. Larry, how are you doing? Great. Good to be with you again. You too. So today we want to focus on and talk about heaven. You know, what is heaven? And as I was thinking about this before our conversation, I have to put heaven in context with earth and, okay. with, and with hell. You know, I mean, that's how I was brought up, that there's these different spaces or realms right. that are available. But we want to really focus on how is heaven different? What is it? You know, some people call it paradise. Some people say it's the place where you come, come face to face with God. Some mm -hmm. people say it's just a different dimension. So how can we gain a better understanding what heaven is and how do we get there? Well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, one of the things is I was reviewing this in prayer and I was serving a number of people this morning and, and as I hear people describe things, it's not like we're going to change the world with this dialogue, you know, because whatever we say from this perspective isn't going to change the nature of the way the heavens are, but the thing that stirs my heart the most is to see how humanity constantly has to humanize the process. They always have to give it from a human perspective. It always has to be defined as father, mother, or earth mother, or whatever. There always has to be this reference to breaking it up in gender, to breaking it up and calling it like we hear many descriptions throughout religious processes and religious experiences where they describe the heavens as having golden gates, um, mansions all over the place and um, just describing it in these earthly terms. And it's always kind of thrown me because what it does is it takes the person away from realizing the divine that is within the heavens. And this is where we can gain the importance. It's not talking about the differences in how heaven is described, but to recognize how we can form thoughts and intellect that diminish us in the understanding of the limitless of God, because God is limitless. And if we are constantly willing to embrace lesser descriptors or lesser descriptions of the nature of what God is, and the nature of what the true realization of being in God's presence is like, then we are diminishing the very possibility of touching God's presence while we're here. We're putting it in a lesser form. So to be on this subject, because I know you asked me what, what we were going to talk about, and I, just, I mean, it just came out of me that I wanted to share this concept, because one of the things that really blew my mind, and I know you and I have shared this before, and I think we even shared this on a couple of different videos, that when I was blessed to do the meditation for the orphanage, when we were praying for these 52 beautiful children that were going hungry, and God gave me an image of what it was to be in the holy presence of God. It was so not what they described. 
It wasn't with mansions scattered about willy-nilly. It wasn't <clears throat> with gates blocking people off. It wasn't with gates holding people outside of the heavens and people knocking, hoping St. Peter would come and open the door for them. And, and then also, like you said, to form this comparative sense of a place of paradise. But then there's earth. And then there's this other place called hell. And here we are right at this time within humanity that the church has even come out and admitted openly that they themselves invented the concept of hell. And they've severed the understanding for people to understand what the order of principalities is and the spiritual realm. Because that's what the church transmuted or altered into this expression of hell, if you want to call it that. And so here we have this earthly experience in front of us. We have the earthly or ethereal realm. I mean, the um, principalities or spiritual realm, ethereal realm, that is the veil between us and the perfection of God. And then we have the perfect nature of God, which is the perfect realization of that highest form of paradise that you described. So, the reality is there is no separation, but the more we allow for these constructs to limit, limit us, oh, I'm going to have a better mansion than those within that practice of faith, or my mansion is going to be more grand because we choose this. And I just, my hope and heart within this is to let people go away from this mindset to the possibility of touching upon a God that is so pure, so perfect, so loving, so beyond comprehension, that perfect forgiveness and perfect recognition of God is the ultimate gift. It's not something we're doing to earn it. It's not something that we are going to by our own self will. It is something that is given by grace through Yeshua. And I think it's far more beautiful than what we describe when we're talking about buildings, houses, bridges, gates, and all that stuff. Yeah, I want to come back in, in a, a little bit later to the houses and bridges and, and so forth and the palaces. Yeah. But I was reading online and actually on catholic.com. You know, I had a Catholic upbringing. Yep. And I like, to, I like to sometimes refer to some text just to gain a better understanding. And you just talked about grace before. And I want to just read a little section of what of I found yeah. that uh, relates to it. And I think it has to do with uh, the human capacity of seeing things versus seeing with the eyes and seeing mentally or, or intellectually. Or spiritually. Or spiritually, exactly. <clears throat> so... It's a short text here. I want to read it. We use the verb to see like this in modern parlance. When someone comes to understand the physics problem he had been struggling with, for example, he may say, now I see. That doesn't mean he sees it with the eyes. Rather, it means he now understands it with his mind. This is the analogous to the beatific vision. And beatific vision, I had to look that up, uh, basically meant the ultimate direct self-communication of God to the individual. So that, that direct connection with God. Like the, the Beatitudes. Yes. The faithful who endure to the end 
and so are saved, will see God, but with an intellectual vision of comprehension of God. Each person, person will see or comprehend God in the beatific vision in accordance with his own capacity dictated to him by the state of grace at the moment of death. And this state of grace is determined by both the gift of God and the degree to which the blessed cooperated with that grace during his earthly so so sojourn, uh, sojourn, what is it, turning? Sojourn, yeah. yeah, as in journey. Yeah, so what stands out to me is grace, mm -hmm. um, the gift of God, you know, mm -hmm. that was grace to us and what we did with it on our earthly yes. life, which then either would lead us to hell or to heaven. I mean, that's what, uh, that's what, what they're to me. So I think grace and the gift of God plays a big, big role. So when we, when we see heaven, we see the, we see the gift of God, that grace that right. we have been given. Well, in the way that they describe the word see, yes. It's a knowing in a sense that comes without sensory involvement. Knowing through sight, feeling, touch, awareness, clarity, wisdom, aspects of God comes not just through a visual acuity. It comes through this reckoning of all aspect of one being, knowing oneself as one with God, therefore knowing all that is God. It, it comes in the form of, like you said, that beatific, beatific method of seeing beyond physical sight, that totality of awareness that is the complete knowing of God. And like if people want to, and, and maybe um, Deb could actually pull this up for people, but to understand the nature of what happened within the vision in feeding the children, how the heavenlies formed. When we came into the presence of God, the light that surrounded us was viscous in nature. When you moved through the light, you felt the light move by you. And it's, it's something that I know from the memory of when I was buried in the ground so many years ago and, and where Yeshua was comforting me in that time and, and keeping my body functioning and living. There was this remembrance of the totality of that which is God. And seeing God. And now if you want to go to a physical sense of seeing God, seeing into the heavens, it was this viscous nature moving through something that was liquid-like, viscous in nature, but light. And then all of a sudden beside me, like one formed into a living being from that viscous light, drew up out of God's presence and descended down and fed the children's bellies. And if you remember correctly, the children didn't know we were doing this, but they woke up the next morning with their bellies full. So what it taught me was that the heavens are different than we defined as a physical construct. It is a spiritual nature. It is a spiritual existence. Um, and it is deep within and throughout, because even the knowledge within the divine, that pure viscous light that is God's presence, moving, living, and having being, even in that, we know the human experience because the human experience is unfolding. So even as we return unto God, we 
we are knowing of God, therefore we are knowing of the sojourn that was humanity, the sojourn that was our experience. But we are blessed to see it only through the eyes of blessing, that paradise view, that we need not see the suffering, pain, sickness, suffering, or death, but we dwell within the presence of that which is God, as one with God, not needing to be recognized as an individual, but we are one as the whole. In that recognition, we still hold clarity and remembrance, but we look forward from within the heavens out unto all creation. So there isn't a study over, well, what road am I going to walk on today or what bridge am I going to cross or which mansion am I going to go to? There's just a knowing that I am there. Mm -hmm. I am instantly present in that place that is stirred within me by the divine, that is God. I don't have to cross a bridge to gain hold on a mansion. I don't even have to look to a mansion. I can be that which is the living form that manifests the mansion or whatever. So I, I don't see it in the same way that many people do through religious constructs. I'm reading a very interesting book right now. It's called The World Unseen by Anthony Borgia, who lived, he was born like in 1896. He was a priest of, or pastor of some sort, I think in okay. England. And he uh, wrote a book and it was kind of, I don't know if it was channeled or it's an information that came into a book where he describes heaven. Or okay. it, it describes his death experience or what he's experiencing right now being in heaven. And, uh, you know, coming back to the notion of, you know, there's no palaces and golden gates and all that. He describes it interesting in, in this book that the world is very similar that we, how we perceive it here, but it is amplified to a degree that no words can describe in terms of okay sounds, music, colors, yep. the, the instant way you can travel, you know, that you can be in whatever state you want. To yeah, because be. it's just an awareness, then you're there. Yes, yeah. yes. But that apparently still there may be in his description, that there is libraries, and there's concerts, and there is kind of some family friendship circles, but they operate in a totally different non egotistical way. Right. Um, it's kind of interesting. So it's a very interesting topic because we can't really put words to it, but right. I can and relate even, to that. Even in your description there, I mean, I see beauty in what he's describing, but what keeps rising in me is when, in all humility, I, I mentioned to you the last time when we were together, I think it was a couple of times before that when we were doing the interview and I was describing the nature of what I went through when I was buried in the ground. Mm -hmm. I can't give you a minute to minute, point to point situation of what happened over that 14 hour period. But I know I emerged from it and I know it was by God's grace that I was permitted to. But I do know in a sense, uh, I'm trying to embrace humility within this, that, but the human construct, even in that moment of birth into new life, you're still carrying with you the veils of humanity in your observation. So even in that moment where you're entering upon the new understanding of the heavens, you're still carrying with you the veil of the constructs of buildings, the veil of the structure of human separation being individual entities, there is something beyond that, that in my youth, in that 14 hours, I didn't have enough of that construct yet. And I, I mean, honestly, I, I see 
in total agreement, the manifestation of colors we haven't even conceived, the manifestation of vibrational tones and awarenesses that are beyond what we can touch within our human form. We have the five or six senses that they name within humanity. There is no limit to sense in the heavenly form. So even his description, the way you present it, he's still giving it from the human senses. I don't believe that in the heavenly sense, they view it the same way that he would describe it. If, if you follow me in that. Uh, yeah, 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 you know, I do. And uh, actually to what he describes as well in the book is that, you know, there's maybe more than just one level of heaven you know, that uh, you are in, in still in that veils that you carry with you from your, uh -huh. your human experience, and you have an opportunity to revisit, in a way, you know, you may have written a book on Earth, mm -hmm. like him, he wrote a book that he regrets now. Okay. But he has now an opportunity to go to a library and work with that sentiment you know, and, okay. and deal with that. So maybe there's different levels. There's that okay. level of heaven. And then, you know, he talked about greater beings that have evolved, that have yep. shed those veils that come to help. But he also talked about... Now, see, now, now he may be describing a sense of awareness, not a separation within heaven. So to me, what I see, it's like, Coming in contact with the oneness of God, I need not study that which I didn't understand, for I understand the totality of that which I understand. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have to go to a library to review what I may have missed, for in the instant awareness of God, I've already known that which was right, that which is right, and that how to be right in the presence of God. I cannot be that which is not pure before the presence of God, because the presence of God dictates the nature of what something's to be in front of it. So I understand what he's saying. And yes, from this human construct, you just named to me what was going on within his view of the heavens. He's still holding spiritual regret. Yep. So if he had been gifted in the moment of experience, whether he shared or dialogued with you, or we were blessed to share a dialogue with him together or something like that, and we helped him to release the spirit of regret, from his human posture today, he would see the heavenly view differently if he passed between life and came back again, because he wouldn't look upon it as regret. Well, my God, I need to find within these heavens a library so I can review the regret that I, I never should have written that book. So as he enters upon that from still in his human state, his human form, in that state of transition, the first construct he needed was a way to validate or show that he was either right or wrong or that he's forgiven. Yeah. In my understanding, I see that God is perfect forgiveness. So God wouldn't say get out of my sight and get over to the library and you start studying until you figure this out. I, I can't see that. I, what I see is instant revelation and enlightenment. Yeah. I don't see God as a judging God. I but see I don't God think... as a enlightened state of being. Yep. I'm with you on that. And I think in that book, he doesn't portray it that way either. It's not yeah. a something that's imposed on him, but it giving him this, 
limitless opportunities to do whatever he wants to do. And if he, if he wants to reconcile with certain things that he has done that he didn't want to do, it's a learning experience. I actually don't look at it as a bad thing. If there was a heaven that I can come in and I can objectively look at, oh, wow, why did I do this on earth? That's really and interesting. And I do see that as beautiful. Honestly, I, I see what he's describing is beautiful. But there again, the whole thing that stirred our conversation today was that vision. Yep. And maybe if we wanted to take his construct that there might be different levels of heaven, maybe there was a moment of grace where God gave me the understanding of what it is to be in his li living presence, that it is that viscous nature moving full, throwing and knowing every aspect of being as God. And then all of a sudden a form coalesces to be the manifestation of God, to bless the child's belly, to do whatever. Um, but there is no separation of self. So mm -hmm. maybe within the construct that he's describing, maybe there are people that are birthed into new life and they don't welcome immediately that awareness of God without limitation. Maybe there is still a remnant that's holding on. And it's not that the heavens are leveled. It's that person's perceived awareness of the heavens is not full and like you said it becomes this beautiful journey for them without the suffrages of the human form to actually run to the library and evaluate a thought oh my god i wonder what you know when i wrote that book i've always questioned that and then you sit down and you start to evaluate knowledge supported on that but to me what i do see is that instant awareness that it is all resolved instant. and that's what i saw within that temple room that we were right instant that instant awareness or a more direct way to God. Yes. You know, instead of having, so I actually looked at this book and our conversation that we're having here. It's a great opportunity for me to recognize that if I live in the moment, uh, I can deal with those veils right now. Yeah. I don't have to wait until I'm in, you know, exactly. Heaven. You know, I can yeah. do it right now. And that's what we do here, you know, at Grace Healing. You know, exactly. by offering that assistance, a prayerful being together that yep. you and Ina and the whole team at Grace Healing does. Um, so, and I wanted to point out too, before we wrap it up, I'll let you wrap it up in a minute, Larry, but the, uh, for all the listeners, go to gracehealing.org and look for, on that website for a couple of links. Number one, there's a book that uh, that's uh, gracehealing.org slash book, the covenant, a covenant in love that you can read and download that talks about a lot of these, these concepts. It's a really good read. Also gracehealing.video is our YouTube channel. And we have every Wednesday night, a uh, meditation call at eight o'clock. You can subscribe to our a newsletter right on the website and you'll receive a reminder the day off on, on Wednesdays for that call, which is a great way to meditate together and just relax in, in prayerful meditation. Yeah. So Larry, we talked about heaven, what heaven may be, what heaven is, we don't know hundred percent maybe, but how would you maybe in a couple of sentences, just wrap it up and, and, and tell people that heaven is something to look forward to. Well, I want to bring it back to, like you say, what we do within Grace Healing. We're, we're helping people release these veils while on the sojourn that is humanity. 
getting rid of these veils so that you move into a higher state of God's glory while here. That even as the world crumbles or different situations happen or problems arise or whatever, you can still sustain of that which is God instead of becoming the distress that's going unfolding on the earth. I was just dealing with an individual today that um, had a near drug overdose and praying over him and actually seeing God change, reform, establishing new dentrites. And for him to go to a place where he couldn't even hold a simple thought for the response to counselors or those in his life that love him. Now, after the process of prayer, he hears, functions, and moves with clarity and communicates his thoughts without limitation. So again, it's releasing the veils in this human experience. And now his process toward healing will come with fewer human impediments, fewer chemical involvements. And he's actually finding like a, a stimulus to life, an excitement towards life, and an ordering of his thoughts. So that's what we do within grace healing is the importance of helping even a simple dialogue become something of greater value to God's use. So even when we picked up on the possibility, let's share some ideas about what heaven is like. My construct is no different than anybody else's. I'm still human describing to you what is something far beyond humanity. So as people welcome these views in and, and the gentleman in the book, it is wonderful to recognize these things and share in these things. Can we allow this same type of innocence and sharing, same types of innocence and offering, yet confidence in the stance we hold transmute to a place where we're dealing with all the political things, where we're dealing with all the health issues, can we allow this possibility of an open and loving dialogue to expand to the totality of our awareness, not just one place within a religious view or a spiritual construct? Let it move into the place where I release those veils, whether it's regret, resentment, whatever, then I listen to what my friend or partner is saying to me to understand what the motivation is and maybe possibly not only learn from something from them, but find the spiritual root that may have altered their perception, like that regret, if they're functioning in regret, or if we see our friends functioning so deeply in hatred that they can't even see the blessing within a situation, or so deeply in fear that they can't even see the possibility of a situation in a better form. So these beautiful dialogues, these wonderful non-threatening subjects how do we take that same practice of shared energy to the things of greater sensitivity? That's my hope for something as simple as this subject and non-threatening but fun to dialogue about. Let's take that same energy into the matters of greater importance. Awesome. I enjoy our conversations. They go into different directions. They can be fun as well, and we can laugh. And hopefully yeah. this was a little bit of impulse for everyone to think about. And Larry will uh, reconvene next week, right? And we'll uh, oh, see what, what next week will yep. bring. And we get to welcome Ina Marie back. Oh, good. Yeah, it's that's gonna right. It's going to be wonderful. So awesome. Good. Yes. good. All right. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Bye, Larry. We'll uh, talk next week. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah.